0: Welcome to the Best of Seven podcast presented by The Big Lead. I am your host for today's episode, Ryan Phillips, and with me, my trusty sidekick, Liam McCune. We're going to rank today, as, as we always do, count down something on Best of Seven. We're going to rank the top seven NFL broadcast booths for the 2021 season. We're now done with the Super Bowl. Season's over, finally. Everybody in sports media can take a deep breath and either look ahead or look back. And we're going to look back at, at who we thought were the best broadcast booths this this season. It was, uh, Liam, it's tight competition. It's, it's kind of hard. This was really difficult to separate between booths. I mean, you know, you might have a really strong play-by-play guy and an okay, you know, color guy or a really strong color guy and an okay play by you know, but a lot of these, have a pretty good combination a lot of the ones we picked have a pretty good combination going on they certainly have their strengths and weaknesses but it was hard to figure this out and, and to to cut these guys up and to rank them yeah
1: for sure I mean to start I take issue with the classification of me being your sidekick but I guess I <laughs> continue to turn 30 before I'm not the new guy <laughs> um but yeah I mean when you think about it right This is an NFL broadcasting job is the premier job to have in sports broadcasting when it comes to the importance of the job from the network's perspective, when it comes to how much money is coming in, how much money relies on your ability to deliver. It's really, really, really competitive. And the standard is much higher, especially since there's only four rights holding networks. It's not like with the NBA, to a much greater extent, Major League Baseball, where there are a couple of national announcers for the networks that have rights to the national games, and then every single team has its own set of local broadcasters. The NFL does have that, but the local broadcasters are far less prominent because on these broadcast, it is really, you know, they they care a lot about these rights. The local broadcasters usually end up shoehorned into a radio role or something of the like. It's an extremely competitive field. That means that there's a lot of really great talent and ranking them ultimately comes down as much as it does to after a certain point. It comes down to personal preference more than it does the actual quality of the call, because once you get to number four on this list, as you'll see, pretty much everybody is a great broadcaster in their own right, and it becomes a matter of very, very slim degrees. So it'll be a fun conversation. I think it's really interesting, and I think that uh, you know will uh, inspire some discussion.
0: Yeah, and and we're we're. You know, this is going to be a companion piece to an article we wrote about this. And uh, we each sort of took little sections of it. And, and so whoever wrote it is going to lead a little bit on this. Uh, and we're both going to sort of discuss each booth because this was, again, a really tough job to separate these people and, and separate these booths. And because uh, there, there's a lot of good going on in NFL broadcast booths, as you eloquently put it, Liam. It is the, the pinnacle right now of, of a sports broadcasting job just with the, the ratings, and as you said, the money and all of that stuff, these are competitive positions, and they're not going to have bad people in them for the most part. So let's start with number seven, and, and that was Gus Johnson and Akeem Tlaib. What did you think about them this year?
1: People who are paying attention to the big lead know that we love Gus Johnson and we love Akeem Tlaib. Tlaib was the recipient of our 2021 Sports Media Newcomer of the Year award. Please check out our Sports Media Awards post. You can find it fairly easily on thebiglead.com, and we've written multiple times about Gus Johnson. The thing with this booth is that they are absolutely not everybody's cup of tea. If you want a standard NFL viewing experience, that's you know basically what has been the standard for NFL viewing experiences on a broadcast for the last twenty or so years, then you probably won't want to listen to these guys, Gus Johnson covers every single range of emotion in one quarter of his broadcast. He loves to really lean into the drama of the moment, even if it's not that dramatic. Tlaib as a defender takes a very unique angle to uh, color commentary. It's something that really is only seen elsewhere in the ESPN booth with Louis Riddick but even Riddick half of his uh, half of his commentary usually comes in the form of recognizing ha- what a quarterback season a defense because he understands the defense to he's a defenders defender he talks about defensive coverages and he has a certain twang in his manner of speaking that is again unique and i that's why we wanted to reward these guys with a place on this list is that i think the combination of Tlaib's distinctive method of color commentating combined with just the fact that johnson a is a great announcer even if he gets a little bit over the top about things sometimes the thing about these guys is that they invite chaos for whatever reason i think it's the gus johnson effect games that just gus johnson calls tend to be insane this has a running track record so the reason that uh you know we we didn't want to put these guys any hires because they were basically part time this year. They didn't call every uh, every a game every week for Fox. Gus was splitting his time with uh, college football, but I think that in terms of the pure fun factor, that can be lacking occasionally in a broadcast, but not when you're watching these guys on Fox. When you're watching Gus Johnson the key to keep to leave, you're gonna have fun, which I think you know, is not something necessarily true about even the very best broadcasters in the game today because that's not what everybody's tuning in for.
0: Yeah, to Tlaib, when I first heard him do a broadcast, it reminded me of the first time I heard uh, Stuart Scott do a sports center. It was one of those things where I didn't know I needed this until now. You know, I, it was just – it's different. It's unique. It's something that I think people – regular people can connect with. And I think he's fantastic. Gus Johnson has been, you know, I I think it's one of those things. uh, I I say this about Dick Vitale too. It's when you're too much of something, you know, over time, people tend to dislike it. You know, they, they find find reasons to dislike it. And Gus Johnson has been around long enough doing his thing that used to be one of the most celebrated things in sports was him calling a game in the NCAA tournament. People have gotten tired of that over the, you know, his excitement over the years. When somebody comes from a place of that's just who they are. Like Dick Vitale just loves college basketball. And he loves being excited about college basketball. There's nothing fake about that. And so I can't hate that because that's a guy just authentically being excited about something I love. Gus Johnson's the same way about everything he calls. And, And, and so the guy loves his job. And demonstrates that a lot. So I like listening to Gus Johnson. I know some people are like, that's ah, too much, you know, it's too crazy, it's too over the top. But uh, I love it. And, and I thought these guys had to be included, even even though they were part-time. I thought it was a, a, it's an important inclusion. I'd love to see them do it more and, and be I think the pairing works too. I really do with, uh, with those two and, and their personalities and how they combine.
1: I think authentic was the, was the best way to describe it overall. You know, Johnson loves his job. You can hear it in every second of every call of every game that he's at. And Tlaib did not go to the school of broadcasting that 90% of his counterparts went to that, you know, kind of churns out the same manners of speaking and the same verbiage and all that stuff. These guys are authentically themselves. And some people might not like that, but for our money, it makes for a unique and cool broadcasting experience that you can't really get anywhere else, which means it's worth talking about.
0: Agreed. At number six, we have the ESPN booth, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy. Uh, Liam, talk about these guys because I think that it's, it's interesting that it's a booth that people don't talk about a whole lot. And this year they kind of got pushed to the side by the banding cast a little bit. And so a lot of people were watching that and not the traditional broadcast, especially if their team wasn't involved because, you know, it's harder to, to, to sit and watch a game that you, you don't necessarily have a rooting interest in when you've got this other fun, hot thing going on with, with the Manning cast. So uh, what, what did you see from this booth this year?
1: I thought that uh, the booth came together really well after last year. And I think that part of the reason that nobody really talks about them that much is because ESPN has had such a hard time finding a consistent combination that works and that people don't despise in the Monday night booth and they finally found them here. I spent some time speaking to Steve Levy earlier this year about his experiences with Riddick and Greasy. You know they really these guys like each other there's a lot of chemistry there that you can hear on the broadcast. I think that first year was tough because this you know the nature of navigating a three-man booth is difficult in of itself, much less when you're under the kind of spotlight that comes with ESPN prime time broadcasting. Uh, Levy said he was unbothered by the Manning cast. And I think that's probably true throughout the crew. You know, through no fault of their own, they were overshadowed in the general discussion of things. But I think that might be a little bit of a result of, you know, it's the shiny new toy that everybody wants to talk about. But ultimately, when it came down to the ratings, A million people watch the Manning cast and 10 to 20 times as many people watch the regular broadcast when when push came to the show. So while the discussion might be centered more around what is new about the ESPN broadcast, plenty of people are still watching Levy, Greasy, and Riddick, and they're not complaining about it, which is not as good as being actively praised for it, but it's better than what ESPN has put out there before But aside from the juxtaposition of where this booth is in Monday Night Football's history, I just think that they're rock, rock solid. I think that Levy is as good of a play-by-play broadcaster uh, that we have in today's game. And I think that Riddick and Greasy both bring their own unique angles and perspectives and manage to mesh together well enough in part a lot thanks to, I was told, the uh, production booth is really, really good about managing to kind of – thread the needle between all three guys getting their moments and getting their, uh, getting their comments in. But I think that, you know, they had some crazy games on Monday night football this year.
0: It was a and nuts think, year.
1: Yeah. Crazy games after I think last year was a lot of duds in uh, Monday night, and Thursday night primetime this year, Monday night, you know, it opened up with an insane overtime game between the Ravens and the Raiders. I still remember Levy calling that game. I thought he did a really great job. You know, I just think these guys, they might not be spectacular. They might not be, you know, everybody wants to find the next instant pot of success that CBS found when they put Tony Romo with Jim Nance. That's the standard now when you put together a new booth in a high-profile position. These guys aren't that, but that doesn't mean they're bad. I think they are absolutely good enough for what they do. And I think that if you're going to watch a game, I mean, this was, in my experience, the recurring theme about to bring it back to the Manning cast is that if your team is playing on Monday night football, you want to watch Levy, Greasy, and Riddick. These guys talk about the game, they know the game, and Levy steps up to the moment when is required. I think that, you know, probably says it all. People who are invested in the game don't want to watch the Manning cast, and nobody's complaining about watching these guys.
0: Yeah, I think that you're you're right about Levy, and that he's really good. I think very underrated is what I would say as a play-by-play guy. Um, he's got a he's got a sense of humor. He's got you know he's very smooth as a broadcaster. Everything you'd want from from a uh, a play-by-play guy, he's got it, and and he's really good at you know sort of managing the group as a whole. I mean, he's the the lead guy there, and he he manages it. I think Riddick is excellent. I really do. I think that he's got a deeper understanding of the game. And is really good at communicating that deeper understanding, as opposed to some guys are almost too smart and don't know how to almost like, this sounds weird, but they're almost like too smart about it and can't process and sort of feed that to an audience that may not have the same level of understanding of football as they do. Uh, Greasy is a take it or leave it for me. I, I don't have any problem with him. I think he's solid. Um, but he doesn't stand out to me. I, I think that Riddick and, and Levy really do. And and I, I agree. I think they had some crazy games and they were able to handle them very well. You didn't get many headlines about things they screwed up or, or anything wrong. I, I think you said they're rock solid. I think they're rock solid. I think that's a, that's a, a perfect uh, description. It'll be interesting to see if they have any plans in the future to shake that booth up at all because ESPN has been very sort of uh, unwilling to, to, to sort of let things stagnate and, and has made a lot of moves to try and freshen up Monday Night Football, and the Manning cast is the latest one. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how long that booth stays together and, and if they can continue to build or if ESPN wants to maybe try and do something flashy with it. Um, we'll see what happens moving forward. I, I thought they had a good year, though.
1: Yeah, I think the point that you made about uh, the way that they try to disseminate these concepts by having these two really smart football minds boot is valid, you know, there's only so much that you can really fit into a broadcast, and I think that's still a little bit of a learning experience for them. I think that Riddick explaining exactly how a, you know, cover three fire zone defense is great for a certain portion of the audience. But like when my mom is watching Monday Night Football, she has no idea what's happening and just sees them squiggling lines. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I would be curious while we're on the topic of uh, you know speculating, I would be curious to see what would happen if they just had Levy and Riddick in there. I think Greasy's contract is going to be up sooner rather than later. I'd be curious. you know, I think the three-man booth works for what it is, but ultimately the tried and true formula is a two-man booth. Maybe they end up mixing in some guests kind of like with the Manning cast because that was such a big success. That could be unique. I don't know. I think that, you know, they're number six on our list here in terms of overall quality, but there may not be a booth more interesting than the Monday Night Football booth when it comes to what's going to happen over the next couple of years.
0: Agreed. I I think that is a huge uh, question mark. As I said, ESPN has been very quick to change things up with Monday Night Booths when they, they don't love what's going on there. Uh, number five, we've got Kevin Harlan and Trent Green of CBS. Nominally, the number three team, I think you could say they're higher. And and I honestly think that uh, – I think Trent Green is a fine analyst. I think he does a solid job. He's been a color analyst since, like, 2009, and, and I think he's developed. But Kevin Harlan carries this booth. I, I think Kevin Harlan is one of the best play-by-play guys in any sport at any time. He feels like he can do anything, and he's – absolutely phenomenal and entertaining uh as well as a guy who just is able to to convey what's going on so easily but but also is is just a ton of fun and i think they're a fan favorite and they do have they do have some developing chemistry over the last couple of years
1: yeah i'm not a huge fan of trent green i do think that he's come a long way and i think yes you could do you could absolutely do a lot worse which goes back to the point i was making about just the sheer level of talent in NFL broadcasting these days. But at the end of the day, it's all about Harlan, baby. Kevin Harlan, There is he has one of the most iconic voices in sports, I would even go so far as to say, not just football or basketball, but in sports. Everybody knows Kevin Harlan's voice. He's very similar to Gus Johnson, in my mind, in terms of you listen to this guy and you know he's having a great time. He just keeps it a little bit more steady. He keeps a little bit more of a lid on his emotions than Gus Johnson does when the moment is right, Kevin Harlan brings the thunder.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think he's, he's, he's outstanding and, uh, can't, you know, praise him enough. I think that Kevin Harlan is always, whenever we do our, as we mentioned, the big league media awards, he's always among the the best play by play announcers. He's always in contention for that. And at some point he's, he's definitely going to, you know, win again. I think he's won before. I think he's going to win again. Um, He's, uh, he's fantastic. And, and Trent Green, again, I think he's gotten better. He's very steady. He reminds me of Greasy. He's just steady. There's no, there's no flash to him at all. Um, but Harlan is, is the guy who carries that booth, and he makes every game he, that he calls is interesting. Yeah, um, I think
1: the thing with uh, the Harlan and Green booth is that
0: there aren't many booths you'd
1: want ahead of them if your team was in a real close game. I think in those moments, Harlan obviously shines and Green tends to rise to the occasion more often than not. But when the game ends up being a blowout, I think that the combination of Harlan and Green or even just kind of a slow game, I don't think they quite bring enough to the table uh, in terms of just general chemistry and camaraderie to kind of keep everybody engaged. I don't know what they're like off screen, obviously, but on screen, it's just sort of a, it's a it tends to be a little bit more of a menial affair. But, you know, when it's a close game, when it's an exciting game, they're really, 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 really good. And you could do, yeah, again, like number five on this list, that's a very respectable place, and especially for the number three team at CBS.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and that just shows what a deep bench CBS has. Speaking of CBS, our number four booth is a bit of – will be a bit of a shocker for some people. It is Jim Nance and Tony Romo at number four. Uh, Liam, you made the noise. Now dive in.
1: (laughs) I think that it's not that hot of a take to say that Jim Nance and Tony Romo did not have their best year. Obviously, when it comes to the pure play-by-play aspect, Nance was as great as he always is. They got knocked down the rankings this year because Romo did not have a good year at all. He was a little He was just all over the place. He was not locked into what was happening. He kind of bounced from one subject to another. I think that, and you mentioned this in the post, Ryan, but the predicting plays thing was a fun novelty for a while, but it's worn off a little bit. You got to bring a little bit more to the table than that, especially when he's not getting every single one, right? I think we're going to look back on uh, that inaugural season of promos and consider his, run of predicting plays one of the most incredible hot stretches in broadcasting memory the last couple of years Romo has come back down to earth and this year in particular I really think that you know regardless of how often he was right or wrong about predicting a plays I'm sure there's somebody out there who kept track of that as like sharks those thing yeah exactly but it's just on the broadcast it just kind of felt like he wasn't super there all the time and I really just and Nance needs to do a little bit of a better job of keeping him on track in my opinion but what comes to my mind every time i think about nance and romo in these rankings which i've done a lot of over the last week listeners don't worry um is at the end of the afc divisional game between the chiefs and the bills nance was declaring the game was over after travis kelsey toe tapped his way into the end zone and over and it's one of the, it was the ending to one of the best games that we have ever seen, hands down, arguably the most exciting playoff game of all time. It was incredible. And Romo marred the moment by wondering out loud if the game was actually over or not, because he couldn't see on the broadcast if Kelsey had got both of his feet in. Neither he nor Nance knew what was going on with the referees. And instead of just kind of letting things ride, instead of even just informing the viewers straight up of what's going on, Romo and to a significantly lesser extent, but still Nance speculated. And that really, I mean, that is, it's tough because they had a really good game leading up to that point. I think they were really good on that call, but they kind of messed up the like biggest game of the season. And so that was not, probably their worst defense of the year, but overall I think that it's hard to find anybody who thought that Tony Romo did a bang up job this year. And that's why they're number four on our list.
0: Yeah. And I, I would say there's another one in, in the AFC championship game with the chiefs down three late Tony Romo is beside himself that the Cincinnati Bengals aren't letting the chiefs just score a touchdown so that they'll have time to go back down. It's, it's a three point game. Tony, you hold them to a field goal, you get overtime and guess what held them to a field goal, got overtime and then won the game. You know, it's, and so that's just a lack of awareness of what's going on in the game and a lack of awareness of how the game works a little bit and I think that I wrote it in the post I think that Romo has sort of started relying on his knowledge of football instead of his preparation for games and it feels like sometimes he doesn't know what he's talking about in games and um, you know that's certainly he's a smart guy and he's a smart broad he's a smart you know football guy and, and has become like a decent broadcaster but I just feel like there's a lot left for him to improve on and I feel like that first season when he was predicting plays we were all saying how much fun it was He got a huge contract off of that, and I feel like you've got to continue to get better. And guess what? You know who somebody who has continued to get better over the years is Jim Nance, right next to him. And so I feel like he really has to go back to the drawing board and and find ways to improve because some of his analysis this year was unlistenable, and it it didn't make sense, and he was far too excitable at times and not – you know. He's getting caught up in the moment and not the actual action of the game. And it's, you know, if you're hanging out with your buddies and you get caught up in the moment, that's one thing. If you're broadcasting for tens of millions of people, you can't do that. And so uh, I, I do think that while they were a solid booth, for the most part, there were some pretty big gaps that sent them plummeting down this list as they were near the top of it for a long time. And so that's something that, that they need to improve on.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you really summed it up well. I just think the thing with Romo is that his mind moves faster than his mouth does more often than not. Obviously, he's a super smart guy. When he lets his emotions dictate what he's going to say instead of thinking it through, that's when the trouble happens. Like with the example you brought up at the end of the Chiefs-Bengals game. Thinking about it, you can see what he was saying. He had just watched the Chiefs score twice in the last two minutes against the Buffalo Bills. He sees the Chiefs with the ball at the three-yard line with a minute and a half to go. The Bengals have two timeouts. It seems inevitable that the Chiefs are going to score a touchdown, so the Bengals should just let them do that in order to give themselves as much time as possible to come back down and score their own touchdown. Instead of explaining any of that, Romo just kind of spewed out that, you know they should let them score without any more context, just because there wasn't enough time to fit that in there, and Nance didn't really help guide him back into that range. I think that when it
0: was clear to everybody watching, that was a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, and on top of it all, it was a terrible idea. Exactly. So obviously, this is these are fixable problems. You know, we'll, we might be sitting here this time next year talking about how Romo and Nance had one of the greatest broadcasting seasons in memory, whatever. Romo just needs to calm down a little bit, but you know, for this year, he just wasn't at his best for most of these games and that is why they fall out of not only the top spot but out of the top three
0: yeah uh so speaking of the top three let's get to it number three cbs's number two booth iron eagle and charles davis liam dive in on these guys
1: i love me some iron eagle and charles davis i think eagle might be my favorite broadcaster in the game right now he's just he's consistent man He knows how to enjoy himself in the booth, but knows that his number one priority is getting across information quickly and concisely. He rises to the moment when necessary, but never overstates it like some of his partners might. And he and Davis, I think, have really come together beautifully as a pairing over the last three or four years. Uh, They just, they hit their marks. They know when to say the right thing. They very, very, very rarely say the wrong thing. And I really think that Eagle and Davis versus Romo and Nance is a pretty classic example of, you know, Romo and Nance, when they're on their game, there's maybe nobody better in sports broadcasting. But when they are off their game, things, the wheels are falling off. Things are going downhill very quickly. Eagle and Davis, when they are doing really well, they can't really catch or can't really reach the heights of where Nance and Romo can. But when they're a little off, their lows are nowhere near the lows of Nance Romo. So it's really a tale of two boots. And that's why it's great for CBS to have this kind of bench, these kind of options. Um, But Eagle and Davis, man, I just think, you know, you're never mad when they're calling. You're never upset when they're on your team's broadcast. They feel very natural in the booth when things get kind of boring and they poke fun at each other. Eagle especially has a remarkable talent for keeping things light, reminding everybody this is a game while still Adopting the same seriousness that is required for what is at stake in these sporting events, I think that they're you know they're just stable, they're consistent, nothing really to complain about, and that's why they're all at number three.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think Iron Eagle is is maybe the most underrated broadcast because I think the average person maybe doesn't know they love Iron Eagle as much as they do, but they do. I mean, Jim Nance is everywhere. So you know Jim Nance, you've seen his face. He he does. you know, everything from the Masters to the college basketball tournament to everything. Ian Eagles is one of those guys who's there too. And he's just, he's been through those wars and he is always, always consistent. I think he, I agree with you. He's one of my favorite play-by-play guys. Um, I I just think that they deliver every single week and, and, and there's very little, you know, deviation from their excellence. And, And you're right about the, the, the Romo Nance thing is Romo and Nance, the highs are higher, but the lows are also lower than you get with, with Ian Engel and Charles Davis. And Charles Davis is a rock-solid uh, 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 color commentator, always you know right there with uh, doing what he needs to and, and saying things he needs to. Um, and it just feels like the two of these guys are, are, are a perfect pairing uh, for each other. So I think that's a great pick at number three. Uh, I, you know Could have even gone a little higher maybe, uh, but just such a, such a rock solid pair. And, and, uh, and one that it, it, you said, if they're calling the game, you're watching, you're not upset about it. You're happy. Um, number two, we're getting into the, into the deep water here is, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman Fox's number one team. Uh, This was an interesting year. We, we named in 2021. We named Joe Buck our best play-by-play announcer at the TBL awards. And I agree with that still. I think he is the best play-by-play guy in the business. I know he's much maligned because if you're listening to this, I know he hates your team. It's I I get it. Uh, But at the same time, unless you're a Cardinals fan, of course, everyone thinks he loves the Cardinals and hates everybody else. Um, But Joe Buck is as good as it gets. He just is. He doesn't take himself too seriously, but he has the ability to heighten the moment every single time. When it's a big moment, you know, it's a big game. If Joe Buck is calling it and the guy, the fact that he was doing world series games and several football games in the same week and just had no drop-off whatsoever is incredible. Aikman is just a, just a grizzled veteran, you know, uh, uh, color analyst who gets it knows his beats he's been doing it for so long there's very little screw up occasionally he says something kind of where he it makes you shake your head but in general Aikman nails what he needs to nail and the the broadcast is about how good Buck is at, at bringing the game into your home and uh he's just the best and I, and I think that again as I said with sort of the Gus Johnson Dickie V thing it's like too much of someone you start to people start to poke holes in it and they don't like the same thing over and over again that's Joe Buck. I don't think he does much wrong. And and people, see, some people seem to not like him. But if you talk to broadcasters, you talk to people in this business, they will all tell you Joe Buck is the best.
1: Yeah, Buck is one of the gold standards. I was the one who wrote the blurb for uh, the Sports Media Awards, giving Joe Buck his flowers. So direct all complaints and anger at me, I suppose. But...
0: Thank you for doing that, by the way. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> of course. I love Buck. I just think, you know, you really summed it up well, When his voice is on the screen, you know, it's a big game. I think he keeps a fairly even keel throughout. He has his down moments where maybe he's a little too even keeled, but I think he's gotten a lot better at that over the last few years. But I want to talk about Troy Aikman this year. I think maybe it's because his contract is up after this year. Maybe it's because he just stopped, you know, caring a little bit, but The last couple of games of the year and into the playoffs, Aikman really just took the sensor off and it was awesome. Yeah. Really said what was on his mind and it made for stunningly good television. Because, you know, when a color commentator really just kind of lets it fly off the cuff, sometimes it isn't enjoyable. Sometimes they say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Sometimes they're coming across as overly critical or overly lackadaisical or whatever you want to say. It. It's very hard to strike that balance, but I loved it. Aikman was sitting there during the Bucks-Eagles playoff game actively wishing that he was somewhere else calling a different game, telling viewers he didn't want to be there. He was hammering the Niners during uh, their... By the way,
0: rule rule one of broadcasting, don't tell viewers to tune away. <laughs> and he just <laughs> let it happen.
1: Even when it's 31-3 to 3 and nobody has a prayer of coming back, you do not say that. I mean, he was hammering the... Niners during the Niners Rams championship game he had maybe the line of the entire playoffs when he said unfortunately it's gonna have to be Jimmy Garoppolo who wins this game I just thought this was maybe Aikman's it's been a it was Aikman's best year in a few years as a broadcaster when Aikman takes the governor off it makes him sound like he cares more And that is kind of what my one of my biggest issues with Aikman over the years has been, is that if it's on a Cowboys game, it sometimes is obvious over the airwaves that he struggles to kind of get up to really perform at his best. But near the end of the year, he just kind of was like, screw it, and just kind of started saying whatever came to mind, and it worked out great. I thought he was awesome. I really, really enjoyed The critiques that he had, and, you know, I'm not encouraging all the announcers to be more critical. I don't think that's that fun, but Aikman's criticisms were pointed, and more importantly, they were right. So I think that that, combined with Joe Buck's regular excellence, made them one of the most entertaining booths, much less, you know, in terms of actual quality. They did a good job, but they were one of the most entertaining booths in the NFL
0: this year. I agree. And, and I think that I find Joe Buck, you know, his sort of dry humor and and subtle, he he'll throw subtle things out there. He won't make a big, large joke, but I think his subtle humor is really good and sort of feels out of place on an NFL broadcast because of how seriously everybody takes things. That's more of a baseball thing where you have nine innings and a lot of downtime to sort of tell stories and talk. You hear more jokiness and, and, and sort of a more relaxed atmosphere. He brings that to the NFL, and quite frankly, it lessens the anxiety of some moments. But then he rises when he needs to be serious, and and rises to the occasion. I agree with Aikman. I think that he's usually just a rock solid guy, but at the same time, this year he did kind of, you know, take the reins off a little bit and and sort of open up. And and you you mentioned it that Jimmy Garoppolo line. I almost fell out of my chair when I heard that because that is not something a broadcaster says. And Aikman was just kind of like, nah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop a bomb right in the middle of the floor here, Joe. You pick it up, you know. And and uh, it was pretty pretty incredible. So with those guys in the rear view at number two, that leaves one it, it, the only booth it could be for number one, and a booth we may not see together ever again. Uh, at number one, we had Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, the NBC uh, Sunday Night Football booth that also had the Super Bowl this year, Liam. Wax poetic about these guys.
1: Well, for the listeners who don't know, Al Michaels' contract with NBC to do Sunday night football is up now. That the Super Bowl is done. All signs point to Michaels going elsewhere. He might still do some stuff with NBC, but his days calling games next to Chris Collinsworth, welcoming in the Collinsworth slide, are done. It's a little sad. Because one of the things that I mentioned in the post here is that these guys, Michaels and Collinsworth are the platonic ideal of a long-term partnership in a broadcast booth for any sport that every network desperately wishes they've had. These guys have been rolling steady for 10 years. They have been excellent the entire time. Michaels... I think Andrew Marsham said it best. He's the Tom Brady of play-by-play broadcasting. He's still at the top of his game, despite nearing 80 years old. He is not ready to walk away yet. And from the sound of the Super Bowl, it doesn't seem like he is ready to walk away yet. He shouldn't feel right. Oh, Eminem, he's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> According to Eminem, he is not walking away yet. Uh, check out the big lead for that content. Um I mean, the guy is just, he's the premier play-by-play broadcaster at the game today. He has the iconic voice. He has the iconic calls. He knows exactly what to say when the moment is biggest and when he should just let the audience and, the you know, just the, the fans and the atmosphere speak for itself. He's the premier play-by-play broadcaster, perhaps in all of sports. I think he's amazing. Collinsworth, a little bit rockier, less consistent, but still – great. I mean, he, sometimes he kind of zeroes in on stuff that you think he shouldn't have zeroed in on, but he leans, you know, everybody knows the Collinsworth tropes. Now here's a guy and things of that nature. Collinsworth knows that he leans into it and he executes to the best of his ability, which is very, very good. These guys, I mean, listen, it's never a dull moment when these guys call a game, they have one of the best production teams in the industry I believe they are always ready with a smart and intelligent thing to say something very informative they work together in tandem better than anybody in broadcasting (sighs) it's sad that they're going to be uh you know separating now it seems very likely that they will be going their separate ways in some way shape or form Collinsworth is sticking around in Sunday night football for a while yet probably going to end up being paired with Mike Tirico who knows what happens with Michael's And while Super Bowl 56 wasn't a super great uh, landscape for them to really shine, I think these guys do their best when crazy things happen and there are really exciting moments. And those were, frankly, few and far between for Rams-Bengals. But overall, it was a very good Super Bowl broadcast. It was funny hearing the disdain in both their voices talking about the celebrities sitting in the stands that the network required them to read off. You know, these guys everybody knows that they are the cream of the crop in NFL broadcasting.
0: Yeah, everyone's chasing these two. And I think that Nance and Romo for a little bit were on their level, but I don't think anybody is right now. And, and it's sad that at the top of their game, they're being broken up essentially. And, and Al Michaels, you know, all the rumors say that he might be going to Amazon or, or wherever. We don't know what the future holds, uh, but these guys, they, they complement each other well. And there's something to be said for sticking together for that long the broadcast gets better almost always when you keep people together. I think that's kind of what's happened when we talked about with the Monday night booth with ESPN, you keep breaking it up and changing it. You never get to get that chemistry and that rhythm together. And these guys have it and they're just, and it's the same with Buck and Aikman. They just know each other really well. They know the, the, the gaps in each other's issues and they know where, when to let each other shine and all of that. And, and Michaels and Collinsworth has been a you know an institution for a long time at NBC and and it's really sad to see it see it break up they're just consistent every week they they're consistent they show up they turn in a great performance and uh, and they move on and there you know there are moments where you know Collinsworth says some things that that are out there but you feel like Michaels is so good he smooths that over without have to even having to even say anything um Michaels is the best i think that it, you know he started to get yeah, I mean, he's always been recognized as, as, as one of the greats, but I think that as his contract has come up, you've heard people sort of write about how great he really, truly is and the impact he's made on the broadcasting game and all the big moments he's called in his, in his career. Um, it really is unbelievable. And uh, I think that he's, you know, it's, it's sad that he's, that he's probably not going to be back at M.C. We don't know what's going to happen, but all signs point to him not being there. And uh, I think that's sad and, and it's a shame, but these guys go out on top. They go out with a Super Bowl. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's great that, that his career at NBC ends with a Super Bowl. It just worked out that way. And they end being number one on this list, which is surely just as important. So final thoughts on, on, on that pair, Liam? Well, I think you
1: have to assume that this is perhaps the most important accolade being given to Michaels and Collinsworth.
0: (laughs) Nothing else comes close. Nothing else comes close. No,
1: you know, all good things must come to an end, things of that nature. But I really think it might be a while before we see a broadcasting pair that everybody more or less universally likes. Collinsworth has a target on his back and he's easy to make fun of just because he's fairly, you know, consistent with what he brings to the table. But nobody dislikes Al Michaels. And when they work a game together, expectations are extremely high that it is going to be a very well-called game. And they consistently met those expectations for over 10 years. I mean, what more can you say about these guys? They are very well-deserving of the number one spot on this list. And with their departure, or I shouldn't say departure, but rather their split, it means that these rankings next year will be a lot more interesting.
0: Yeah, it will be. And it'll be interesting to see who Collinsworth gets paired with, who Michaels gets paired with, and, and what happens. Uh, opens the door for one of these other teams to sort of slide right into that number one spot. All right. Thank you, Liam, for being my co-host, not my sidekick uh i we appreciate you guys for for listening to the best of seven check out all of the big leads podcast offerings at thebiglead.com and stay tuned to the website for all the latest in sports media news sports news any kind of news lots of viral stuff you'll love it all uh thanks for listening we'll uh we'll see you next time